Charles, welcome back. Let's give him a warm welcome. Testing. Hey, we're in business. I bet you I hit a button, Mike. We only have someone who really knew what they were doing. Well, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I see some familiar faces out there. That warms my heart. My old boat mechanic is out here, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't own a boat anymore. <laughs> uh, but my name is Charles Mitchell. Uh, I am just so privileged, and it is such a joy to be with you again on another Sunday morning. Uh, my wife, Brianne, and I are here from Munster, Indiana. That's way north of Route 30, and uh, it was wonderful. We got here a little early today, and we drove around the, the town of Lowell a little bit, and what a, it's a marvelous, beautiful town you guys had here. Amen? Amen. It is such a beautiful countryside, and uh, I uh, hail from Faith Church in Munster, Indiana. Uh, used to be Faith Hammond. That is where I met Nancy and Andy. Uh, many moons ago, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, although it wasn't that long, and uh, I am currently an ordained teaching elder under the authority of Faith Church, uh, and my residency is through Coram Deo, which is a commissioned pastor's track, much like the program that Pastor Andy went through years back, and uh, I'm currently under the care uh, of the Kingdom Network, which is our new denomination that we're a part of over at Faith, and uh, Currently, I'm still doing construction full-time, uh, so I'm very much a lay pastor at the moment, but uh, God has been so good. Uh, my wife and my five children, uh, what a journey it has been these past few years, uh, and thank you again for letting me come share God's word with you. Last week, if you recall, if you were here, we talked about identity and what it is to find your identity in Christ, right? And we talked about a few things that we can identify with as God's children through Jesus, we are chosen, remember? Right? You are chosen, and you're valuable to him, so valuable that he would send his only son to die on the cross for you, right? And Jesus doesn't die for junk, right? You are valuable. You're eternally loved, ultimately loved, period. No, no conditions, all right? And then you're totally forgiven. Those are the things that you can claim as your own. That is who you are according to Jesus, amen? All right, and this morning... We're going to talk a little bit about what that means to be unified, unified or what does my identity have to do with the greater good, right? Because you're not just who you are. You're not just chosen all upon yourself, right? Like there's more to that story because it's not just you. It's not just Charles all on his own, right? I belong to something, and that something is God's church, right? His bride, Jesus' beautiful bride, the one that he sacrificed for. That's who you are. Before me, I see a bunch of chosen people unified in the name of Jesus as his bride. Amen? Amen. And I chose a scripture this morning from John 17, verses 20 to 26. Before you put that up there, um, this is a, a pretty significant piece of scripture, right? 
And uh, as I'm reading it, you might think to yourself, like, why did he chose, choose this of all things to talk about unity in Christ? He could have chosen 2 Corinthians. He could have talked about Paul and the body and the many members, and it's true. This all works together, though, right? One thing about uh, for, uh, the book of John, John was obviously written by the Apostle John, right? Uh, that's simple enough. Uh, last week, we were in the book of 1 Peter. Peter was another apostle. Uh, disciple of Jesus, he actually walked with Jesus, experienced Jesus firsthand, and so did John, right? And uh, what John is recording here in this book is kind of Jesus' like last sentiments towards his disciples before he is betrayed by Judas and led off by the soldiers, where he was ultimately beaten, crucified, and murdered for me and you, right? And before Jesus goes to this betrayal, he gets on his knees and he goes to the heavenly, his heavenly father, right? And you can think about, you can get a lot out of somebody out of their last words, right? Like when you want to think about somebody, you want to take up everything that they're about, like just go to the last days, go to, their life, go to the deathbed, and you can t find out a lot about somebody, about who they really are and what they hold most important. And we get this like breath, this snapshot from the Apostle John as to what Jesus was all about, what his main concern was concerning the people that he loved most me and you, right? And I brought up this Lego box because I actually had this little, uh, this, this, this bigger scale thing that my son Noah put together for me last minute yesterday, and uh, I actually gave it to your children's ministry, and I hope that she's not looking at this thing in obscurity like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> but we'll find out soon enough. But the thing I like about Legos, right, and there's some kids out there in the audience, raise your hand if you like playing with Legos. All the adults are raising their hands, right? You know, for me, we didn't really have these intricate Lego pieces when I was growing up. We had Lincoln Logs. Raise your hand if you had Lincoln Logs or like the, the blocks. My grandpa actually handcrafted or it was just scraps in his garbage can that he, he sanded down. He said, hey, build something with these. And that's, that's what I grew up with. But the main gist is the same. You take all these little pieces, these individual pieces, none, one is the same, right? And then you build something out of them. But in order to get the achieved look, in order to get that look out of this kit, you got to follow the instructions. You got to follow the instructions, brothers and sisters, because there was somebody that was paid, someone that trained, somebody who knew exactly what they were doing, way more and beyond we could ever fathom, that came up with this design and made these instructions and said, okay, take this blue Lego and this yellow Lego and this red Lego, and this one is this shape, this one is this shape, and you're going to put them together just right. And in the end, you're going to get what I, the designer, had planned all along. And in the scripture today, we get to see that, right? Because the significance of it is, is we're all like a Lego piece. Just follow me for a second, right? And some of you are a little square blue Lego. And some of you are a little round red Lego, right? And you decide what shape and color you are. But each little intricate piece is part of a greater design. And we have a great designer, God in heaven, right? That before you were even born into this world, knew what color you were going to be, knew what shape you were going to be, knew what your function was going to be in his body called the church. Amen? Amen? And today, I hope that what we see as we leap through Jesus' uh, prayer to his Father, that we get to see more what God's purpose is for each and every one of us. Amen? So if you have a Bible, turn with, it, with me to John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, and it's kind of a long chunk of scripture, I understand that, but I was assured that none of you have anything going on after the church service today. So Andy said, go ahead and take the next 45 minutes to really pound it in. Amen? I'm joking. Um, 
But as, as I read the scripture out loud, well, I want to invite you to do something. Because it's important for me when I read God's word that like, I internalize it. And I need to make it personal for myself. Right? Maybe it's my ADHD. Maybe it's just that, that I have a hard time believing how much God really loves me. Charles, right? And maybe you're like me. Like, like maybe God's love is for them. God's got plans for this person. God's, God's given gifts to this person, but not me. I just kind of hang off in the back. I'm obscure. I live in the shadows. Uh, that's what I struggle with. And I need to constantly be reminded by the Holy Spirit, by God's body, that I am worth immeasurably more to God than I could ever pay. And the same is true for you. So as I read this, this is a prayer that Jesus prays for his church to his Father in heaven. So I invite you to take this time and use it as prayer. Amen? Amen. All right, we can go ahead and put the words on the screen. And this is the NLT version, the New Living Translation. I like this version sometimes because it's a little less wordy. Um, it's more proper for a common folk like me. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. In verse 20, Jesus starts out like this. He says, do not pray for these followers only, Lord. I don't know what this place implies. I pray for those who will put their trust in me through the teaching they have heard. May they all be as one, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May they belong to us. And then the world will believe that you sent me. I gave them the honor you gave me, and they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, so they may be one and be made perfect. Then the world, Lord, may know that you sent me, and that you love them as you love me. Father, I want my followers you gave me to be with me where I am. Then they may see my shining greatness which you gave me because you loved me before the world was made. Holy Father, the world has not known you. I know you. These have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known. So then the, lo the love you have for me may be in them, and I may be in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks for your holy word. We give you thanks, Lord, for the love that you have for us written out and spelled out in the pages of this Bible. Lord, I pray for just a few moments that this world would become alive enough, Lord, like Pastor Andy prayed during worship, Lord, that you would ignite a passion within us, that we would see your holiness, Lord, that we would experience your love for us, and that it would motivate us to move on your behalf. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's three parts. This actually, this chunk of scripture is as a part of a larger scripture found in John 17. And a lot of people will refer to this as the high priestly prayer. And it's fitting that you would call it the high priestly prayer because Jesus is, in fact, our high priest. Amen? All right? He is the highest of the priests. He invites us into that priesthood. We talked about that last week. Right? We are all high priests in the name of Jesus. Right? We all go out with that good news. But Jesus being the head. All right, and in verse 1 and 8, Jesus prays for his own glorification in 17, right? And in verse 9 and 19, Jesus asked God to produce and consecrate his followers for their glorification. And in these verses, 20 and 26, Jesus prays for his followers that they would be united. Notice, though, that we're not talking about the opposite of united, right? right? We, can, we can all look the same. We can all dress the same and talk the same. We can all eat the same kind of food, uh, but that does not necessarily make you a united people. Amen? All right. 
So what does it mean to be united? What does it mean for these all these individual little Lego pieces? And by the way, it's okay that you're an individual Lego piece as long as you understand it within the grand design, the great design, right? So unified, not uniform, is designer's design. Simply put. God's design for us is not to be uniform, all right? You do not have to look like me or talk like me. You don't have to have the same gifts as me, right? I could never keep up with Pastor Andy. This guy surprises me around. He's funny. <laughs> uh, but there is something that will unify us all together, and that's Jesus, right? That is Jesus. They model that in the entire Bible, right? Like this isn't some obscure new thing that Jesus is doing or asking for. We see the unity of Jesus with the Father through the Trinity. If you're a Reformed people, we believe and profess the Trinity of God, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are three persons, all doing different things, but all being unified as one. Amen? In this perfect unison that we don't even fully understand, and we will not fully understand that, how that all works perfectly until we're in glory with them. Amen? All right? But verse 21, it says, May they all be as one with the Father, as you are in me, and I am in you. May they belong to us. So just like me and you, Father, Jesus is saying, are one and perfect in that, bring them to that perfectness with us. Right, Lord? Lord, that is your goal, Lord. That is why you sent me. Because you want them back in the Garden of Eden. Where we experience this oneness and this unity in this perfect way. The way you designed it to be. And he's saying, Jesus, he, Jesus is saying, as I'm going out to this cross, Lord, as I'm going out to perform this work you've sent me to do, let that be the end result. That when people see your people, they see me. And then they see that you sent me, Lord. And it all works together because we're all one. That's his goal. He's not calling us to something new. It's rather, it's, it's something that already was, already is, always will be. True discipleship can only happen in unity. Verse 20, it says, I don't ask for these things only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus, you know, he's, all, he's talking about these people in the scripture. He's referring to his 12 disciples. Right? He's like, Lord, I came, and I've been walking with these 12 disciples for a while, and they now know me. And they know you through me. And Lord, once I go to you, they're going to be sent out. And we know that, right? They eventually get sent out. He says, now they're going to know me through them. And that's our calling as well. But it can only happen if you go out as the people that are chosen, truly, fully loved, totally forgiven, right? All those things that you need to identify, but you can only do it in Christ. Amen? Jesus is praying not only for his 12 disciples, but he's also praying for those that are experienced the 12 disciples. Right? This is discipleship, brothers and sisters. This is the true mode of discipleship. Discipleship is this, that someone walks with me in you, but also that I'm following somebody toward Jesus. If there's somebody in front of you this morning, is there somebody that you're following behind? Is there somebody that is discipling you right now in your life? Because the goal then is that like, you will, God will put people around you that you can walk alongside with. Right? And then the, cheese, like the, the cherry on the cake. Is there any cherry cake out there this morning? No? Is that someone's following behind you all at the same time. And then you have disciples making disciples making disciples. And that's how the church grew. And that's how it grows. And that is Jesus' goal. That is what Jesus is praying to the Father for this morning. For his original 12, but also for me and you. That's what the designer's design has been all along. 
Think about what keeps us from doing that well, right? What keeps us from being good disciples that make disciples? What keeps us from this designer's plan all along? Think about what divides our culture today, right? Politics, race divides us, social status divides us, right? You have the wealthy here, you got the middle class here, you got the, uh, you got the poor here, right? These are all things that divide, that make us different, right? There's something that attracts us to like-minded people, people that look the same as us. I joked last week about uh, myself growing up in, in the Dutch community, uh, and that, that Dutch heritage that I share, that, that is good to celebrate, but it also has the potential to get me off the instructions and the instruction manual that God gave me on how to conduct my identity in this world. Amen? Amen. We see this in tribalism, different movements, both past and present, right? You, you have, you know, from the beginning of time, Everybody that was the same went over here, and then, okay, you're not exactly the same as me. Like, no, but I'm more like them, so I'm going to go over here and hang out with them. Like, this is not something new. This is not a new problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. We see this in the church. You know, if I had a, if I had a table, and I could make more of an analogy here with Legos, like, imagine if you had one bowl full of red Legos, all the same size, same color. And then you had another bowl over here with a bunch of blue Legos, same size, same shape, same color. And another bowl over here, yellow. And you get my gist. Now imagine if I gave you this bowl of blue. They're all the same, all the same color. I said, now I want you to make me something magnificent out of this one bowl of blue Legos. You'd have a hard time making me something impressive, right? And the same for the red church and the yellow church. You get where I'm going. Someone say something. Amen. All right. But oftentimes, brothers and sisters, that's how we conduct our business here on earth. And we do it in the name of Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Right? Imagine how attractive the church would look if all these Lego pieces came together to create this beautiful functioning thing that the designer had to plan all along. It creates, uh, it's much more powerful of a witness in the world for us to function and present ourselves to the world as what God designed us to be to begin with instead of just this big clump of blue. Or red, you get my gist, right? This is not some surface-level unity that's built on the latest trends or conflicts either. We can all get behind something in this world, right? I can turn on the 9 o'clock news this morning and find something that bothers me, and then I can go find other like-minded people that it, this bothers me too, and we can go build, we can build our own little pseudo-church out of that, right? And those conflicts change, so I'll never be bored because I can, uh, now this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And Jesus says, stop, you're losing your focus. You're so concentrated on this thing over here. And I'm way over here saying, yo, you know what I mean? Part of our witness is our love and our unity. Our love and our unity. I think of my friend Tony, who uh, I met, oddly enough, my, my wife reminded me this morning, I met my friend Tony, a dear brother in Christ, at a potluck. Uh, years back in Faith Hammond when we were meeting at the gym, and uh, he had been coming for quite a while, and he stuck out to me for a couple reasons. Number one, he looked nothing like me. Tony is African-American, and he's literally African. He's from Uganda, right? And I don't know how it happened because God has a sense of humor. He met a Dutch girl out in the middle of Uganda, and they got fell in love and got married, and they had have four beautiful children now. They just had their fourth child, and uh, they were coming to our church for a while, and I always see him out of the corner of my eye, like, What's up with this? Like, this is, not, this is outside my comfort zone. This guy looks nothing like me. He talks funny, you know, like, and uh, one day, 
we had a potluck, and I bring a, uh, my plate, you know, and I'm kind of wandering around. It, was, it got busy, you know. The, it was a small church setting, so we're, I, I'm, like, looking for a seat, and I, I see this couple, Tony and Michelle, sitting all by themselves, and I think to myself, God, no. Like, Lord, please. Like, you know, like, this potluck's for me, too, right? I mean, I'm going to enjoy this, too. And, uh, but the Spirit just kind of, like, poked me a little bit. And he's like, sit down. Get uncomfortable, Charles, just like people get uncomfortable with you. So I sat down next to Tony, and we started talking. And it was hard. I have to, like, even to this day, when me and Tony talk, I have to literally like lean in, and I have to, like, saturate myself in every little syllable that comes out of his mouth because of that language barrier, right? And he's got so many different world experiences than me. And there's certain things that, like, I wouldn't even bat an eye at, but he's like, that bothers me. I remember one time we went to the zoo. All the families got together went to the zoo. And as we were walking out, he says, I, I didn't really appreciate that, Charles. All those animals caged up. I'm like, Tony, what are you talking about? Don't be sarcastic. It's like, you know, he's like, he's like, dude, man, he says, live in my landscape. That bothers me. I'm like, and I had to allow him to be different than me and myself to experience life through his lens a little bit more. That's what it means, brothers and sisters, to receive one another in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's part of our witness. We have a habit in the Mitchell house of uh, challenging each other with the notion of who you are, right? It's enough for me to say, like, and think all I want, like, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I'm eternally loved, I'm all these things that Christ says I am in him. But if I don't own that, and if you and me, brothers and sisters, don't own that, and we walk out into that world forgetting those truths, it's going to deeply impact the way that we treat others. You know what I mean? It's, it's, not, it, it's not enough to just, to just know it. You have to believe it. I tell my kids all the time, um, decide who you are, because when you walk out that door and you face those temptations, it's going to be a lot harder to decide what to do with them in the, in the moment, right? Like, but if you decide who you are before you walk out that door, before you enter into those possible temptations, it changes everything. It changes the direction and action of how you treat others. It changes your decisions. It changes even, like, the most minuscule things, like your, the way you post on social media, right? Everything about you changes when your identity is found in Christ, in Christ alone. One reason we don't appreciate fellowship with each other or our desire to, worship, to, to witness to this world is because we don't see others as Jesus sees them, Right? There's a surefire ways for us to remove these roadblocks that keep us from unity in Christ. And one of those things is believing that all believers will be perfected. Do you think that with all the mess in you, and everyone here has got some mess, I promise. I know I do. Right? Amen, sister. Would you rather know that the Lord is in the middle of cleaning up those messes right now? Do you believe that the Lord is literally in the midst of cleaning up your messes? All of you individually, you can own that. We call that the Reformed faith sanctification, right? The Lord has sanctified us because of Jesus, but we, it's, it's a consistent, it's, it's an ongoing transformation and sanctification, right? That is what he's doing. I am in them and you are in me so that we may be one and be made perfect. One of our issues with loving others, especially those differently than us, one of our problems with our witness to the world as the church is that we only see people's messes. 
but we approach everybody like that. We hold everybody like this, and we say, like, I, you're just too messy for me. And we take all these huge Christian liberties, and we say, like, you know what? I'm sure God loves you, but I don't think you're going to get along in my church, right? You're going to feel too uncomfortable in my church. And really what we're saying is, I'm going to feel too uncomfortable with you in my church, right? But that's not how God looks at us. When Jesus sees you and me, he sees his father's craftsmanship, right? When he sees the designer's plans coming together in perfection, that's what Jesus sees. Not just for me and you, his chosen people, but for the people out in the world that don't even know him yet. Because guess what? There was a time and a place where me and you just didn't know him either, right? In the meantime, Jesus invites us into fellowship with him now, though. Isn't that interesting? Even though we don't have it all together, and I guarantee you, none of you have it all together. You better not. I don't, <laughs> right? You will all, with all your imperfections and misplaced pieces, Jesus calls you into relationship with him because we see our messes and other people's messes, but God sees all of us as work in progress. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, I'm a work in progress. All right. All right, calm down. Okay. We are works in progress, and even, even above and beyond that, like, the progress, the Lord sees the finished product. Like, God, when he sees Charles, he sees the fin I hope I don't look like that when he's done. But God sees the finished product in me and you, brothers and sisters. Right? Because he, or, he already wrote the, the, the instructions. He already did the designing part. Right? And now he's using this world and this life to build us up into that perfect creation that he meant for us all along. And he get, gets to enjoy that with us in glory forever. And that is what Jesus prays. I know the roadblock that gets in the way is for unforgiveness. Amen? And unforgiveness is a hard thing to teach in the church these days. Maybe, maybe it always has been. But we, the church, are joined to the designer and each other through forgiveness. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Me and you don't get fellowship with the Father. We're not back in the Garden of Eden without the blood of Christ. Amen? Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. To the outside world, that is just foolishness. Clown talk to them. They're like, you guys are idiots. But to us, who profess Christ as Lord and Savior, Forgiveness is how God shows us his love. In Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love to us uh, while we were still sinners. Guess what? Christ still died for you. He offers us that forgiveness even while we're at odds with him. Matthew 5, 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward is that? Do not even the tax collectors do the same thing? Right? The world has its own systems of turning a blind eye, right? Of saying, like, you know what? You're doing bad over here. Or there's something bad about you or there's this mess about you over here. But... Don't, don't bring that mess into mind, even while we still hold our own messes. And God says, no, that's not my design for you, church. My design for you is that you receive one another in my name, not in the name of you being perfect or being good enough or, you know, dressing well enough or, like, you make the best peach cobbler. I hope there's a peach cobbler in here tonight. But in Jesus, we want his system, not our own system. We don't have to go outside the church to find our enemies these days anymore either, do we? Just look at the church landscape right here in the Midwest. Lord have mercy on us. But what wonderful thing it is that God is so loving and so gracious and so merciful that as much as we mess up this model, he still meets us with grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was a man in history, in world history, that talked a lot about forgiveness. 
uh, in regards of however you might feel about Martin Luther King Jr., um, one thing we do know is that his life was a life of ministry. Uh, he was a Christian man who spent most of his life at odds and in conflict with other groups of people, political parties, even fellow Christians. He did this his entire life, right? And Martin Luther King was uh, quoted saying this. He said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devout of the power to forgive is devout of the power to love. That is powerful, folks. Think of the people in your life that you love. Are you able to forgive them? Because what the scripture is telling us this morning, and even what Martin Luther agreed with, is that my capacity to love the people that I love the most, my, my wife, my children, right? If I'm not able to forgive them, what kind of love am I offering? The church's ability to showcase the creator's design of unity and perfection in Christ in the whole world begins with forgiveness because that's how God enters into relationship with me and you. We were far from God because of our sins, so he sent Jesus to die. Now we're back in fellowship with the Father because of forgiveness. Forgiveness, and he calls us into that forgiveness. And that's what Jesus prays for in John 17. He says, Lord, let them be like me as I am in you. So that when we are all like you, we will be united as one. That's his goal. Christ-like love and forgiveness is part of what sets us apart from the rest of the world. When the world looks in to this church, to Hope Church in Lowell, Indiana, what are they seeing? A bunch of blue Legos? The same size? Functioning in uniformity? Or are they seeing unity? Are they seeing grace? Are they seeing mercy? Are they seeing a forgiving heart and spirit? Are they seeing a bunch of different people coming together in one likeness under the headship of Christ, our Lord and Savior? When people come into the church, are they seeing people that love one another? And a love that's like so radical you, you can't even fathom it. The Acts Church if you look up the book of Acts, in fact, I invite you this week, pick up the book of Acts and read it. In Acts 2, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. And as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. And he added to their number. And he kept adding to their number. Is that what the community of Lowell and the outlying regions see when they look to you too, family? When I was uh, in 2013, I shared this last week, but 2013 was a big year for me and my family. A lot of turbulence, a lot of just madness and messes all coming to the, the surface all at once. And I remember... Uh, coming into that season of my life, I, I had a lot of bitterness in my heart. I was bitter towards the church. I was bitter towards my Christian family. And I, I'm a dude, I mean, I grew up in the United Reformed Church. We went to church twice on Sunday. We did the catechism on Sundays after. Imagine if I said you couldn't eat until you did your catechism lesson today. I would be the most unpopular pastor in the world, right? But that was my life. I knew everything. I, I knew about Jesus. I knew about God and the Trinity and God's love for me and blah, 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 blah. That's all it was, was head knowledge to me. 
And I always felt like I lived on the fringes of this, this community, this great love community called the church. I never felt like I fully was immersed into that. Like I, I was kind of like, they kind of put up with me because God told them to. In 2013, I walked into the door one day after work, and I dropped dead on my kitchen floor of a ruptured brain aneurysm. I wasn't born this good looking. <laughs> I remember waking up in the hospital a couple weeks later, a week later, a couple days later, I don't even remember, and uh, really out of my mind, more than I ever had been in my life, and uh, looking at my wife who was extremely pregnant with our fifth child, and I remember being so angry with God. I was like, God, why? Why do you disown me so much? Why do you, like, strip any power or any significance I ever could have granted gotten and just taken it away from me like that, Lord. And you know what the Lord taught me in that season? The Lord taught me that, number one, it was never about how much power I had or how much, I, how much identity of the world I could bring into myself and say, hey, this is who Charles is. It was all about me emptying myself of me and then Christ saying, okay, now I'm everything and now I hold all the power and now you're going to live through me. And the beautiful thing about that is as bitter as I was towards the church internally, right, all that messiness in my heart towards God and his best for me, people like Andy and Nancy stepped up. His community, the very community that I didn't trust, stepped up in ways that I could never have for myself, right? Andy, because of his medical background, was able to get me some of the, the best neurosurgical care you could ever ask for, right? I could not have done that for myself. Other people stepped up and brought us meals, paid our bills, loved us. No questions asked, because like the Acts Church, they took what unified them in Christ, and they said, okay, that's at the top of the cross there. We are not going to let anything else in this world get above that. Make sense? Makes sense. And the same is true for us. It was the same for me and Tony, as we both let down our guards, and we let Christ be the center of it all. It was the same for me and my family as we went through those turbulent times, as we had to decide we need to let Christ be the center of all of this. And it's the truth for Hope Church. That could be lived out by the company we keep, right? Your ability to serve and share life with those that are different than you, to love someone past your disagreements. In these heavy times, there's plenty of conflict and dissolution, isn't there? We could always find someone to disagree with. But comparatively, when the world be impressed with his work, if I were to set you out at a table and say, look at this great Lego creation, would the world look and go, whoa, I've never seen anything like it. Amen? Pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks, Lord. Thank you for your grand design. You are the great designer, and we bless your name for it, Lord. We bless you for the work that you set out to do before the beginning of time, and we give you thanks, Lord, and we anticipate and we say with a loud voice that we know that you will finish your work. Let us, let that be a reflection of how we look at ourselves. Let us be a reflection of how we look at one another. And let us look, let, let us look at the world, Lord, with compassion and love and acceptance the way you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.